We have been studying through the scriptures, specifically in the gospels over these last few weeks, rhythms of grace, disciplines that God calls us to engage in in order to draw our relationship with him, to, 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 to deepen our relationship with him, to draw close to the Lord. We've talked about things like prayer and fasting. We've talked about singing through a corporate worship. And today we're gonna talk about uh, generosity and giving. And we're not, I'm not so much going to uh, make a case for uh, is it legitimate, is it not, or how much to give, or how, not, uh, how much not to give, and things like that. We've done that recently in the past. You can go to our website at dsbc.church, uh, and there's a sermons link. You can find more information there on previous sermons. But today what I want to do is for those of us that are followers of Jesus, and I know not all of us follow after Jesus, but for those of us that follow after Jesus, uh, we are called to engage in the rhythm of grace, the rhythm of generosity, of giving. And so I wanna talk kind of from, from that boots on the ground viewpoint, uh, how that impacts us. And then secondly, what I wanna do is I, wanna, I want to give us a moment today to align our hearts, to remind ourselves of the Lord's goodness, his grace and to align our hearts towards that. Because, because singing and praying and, and, and communion and, and those rhythms of grace as well as giving, it all, it all stems from a heart. It, it all stems from a heart recognizing God's grace, love, and mercy. And so I would like to talk about the impacts and then kind of spend the last half uh, aligning our hearts. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, which is where we'll be spending most of our time, uh, by and large, verses 22 through 34, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, we're not going to put it up on the screen just yet. We're going we're gonna to wait a little bit uh, until a time of reflection uh, before we put some of this up on the screen. But I'll, I'll cite my sources, and, and we'll go through it. But if you think about uh, giving financially, it's a manifestation. So whether it's donations or offerings or tithing or almsgiving, or uh, giving to a nonprofit, giving to a church. These are all physical ways, they're physical manifestations of generosity. Now, we certainly can be uh, generous in giving with our uh, possessions, cars, houses, things like that, and, and those are good too, and that's, of course, corollary here, but in a, in a society that, that uh, is dollar-based, so to speak, or a cash-based society, uh, I'm gonna primary folk, primarily use that as our means of discussion this morning as it relates to the rhythm or the discipline of generosity in giving. When we give, and again, that's not just to a church. I'm not just talking about tithes and offerings. I'm talking about donations. I'm talking about giving it to someone in need. Uh, we heard a story earlier today, some of our volunteers, about a family who was in need in, in, in our city who, who had needs, and there was some uh, donations made to be able to uh, provide for their needs. And so whether it's giving in that way, whatever it is. So I'm not just talking about giving to a local church. It's giving of ourselves, of our material possessions to serve and to bless others and to glorify the Lord. These are all manifestations of generosity. And when we give as a normal rhythm of life, it does a few things. In Luke 12, 33, it says this, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. One of the things that giving as a rhythm of life does, one of the things that giving does is it confronts our idols. 
You see, we live in a culture in which there are thousands of gospels presented to us every day. You know that, right? Have you been to the grocery store? Y'all, have you guys been to the grocery store? Come on, now I'm up here. You guys been to the grocery store? Yeah, there's a thousand gospels being preached at you at the grocery store in the checkout line. All the little magazines are proclaiming to you, your life will be better, you will be made complete, you will be somebody if you attain this, whatever that thing is. And oftentimes, it's a material possession, right? And we live in a culture that idolizes possessions. It's interesting that in our lives, and perhaps you could do some self-reflection and consider this, that in our lives, our desired lifestyle almost always outpaces our income. Our desired lifestyle almost always outpaces our income. Okay, so, so I remember my first paycheck. I served uh, as a dishwasher at a place, uh, as an Italian restaurant in Chandler, and I remember, I was 15 years old, I got that check, and it had four numbers on it with a decimal in the middle. <laughs> I made a four-figure income my first job, check that out, every week. And I remember thinking, I've made it. No longer, I can throw off the chains of my parents and live truly free. Get what I can go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee whenever I want. As long as dad gives me a ride. And I remember getting that check. And then I remember instantaneously thinking, you know, I could probably use just a, just a, just a little more. And I remember every raise I've received thinking, that's it. If I could just get that much more, if I could just have that much more, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be content. Then I'll be secure. And what ends up happening? You get it, and then you just, you just need a little bit more. You see, our, our desired lifestyle almost always outpaces our income. And when we give as a rhythm of grace, as a discipline in our lives, it confronts that idol of materialism. So my family, we practice uh, the, the, the habit of tithing, giving of 10% of our income. Uh, and, and one of the things, and, and boy, I don't like that. I mean, like, you know, I wrestle with it. I mean, there's times where I'm satisfied in it, I, but I gotta do a lot of heart work before I actually come to the point where I'm like, praise the Lord, here you go, right? Because, my, because what I want day to day in and day out is I want more. And when, when I give and, and when we give, again, it doesn't have to be necessarily within a church, but when we give as a rhythm of life, when we practice generosity in that way, it confronts our idol of materialism. It causes, at least for me, it causes me to take a minute and to say, is what I'm saying I need just really something I want? And then, of course, why do I want it? And then you have to do the heart work of it. Number two, not only does it confront our idols, especially our idol of materialism, number two, it blesses others. Luke 12, 33. Again, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure uh, in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. It serves and bless others. James 2, 6. So this is uh, in the book of James in the Bible. It says this. And one of you who says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? What James is saying here is, it's one thing to say thoughts and prayers, like you're hungry, thoughts and prayers. It's another thing to say, here, let me get you some food. Do you see? Uh, that's James' basic point. And when we give, it is a means of blessing and serving others. 
Uh, there, uh, here through Desert Springs, we have something called the Benevolence Fund. It's something that, it, it, it's a means for us collectively as a church family to give and to help meet the felt needs of people in our community, in our church family, and in North Phoenix. And, 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 and recently, there have been uh, some folks, a family, young children involved, uh, that, that had a utility shut off for a long time. And you know how important utilities are in Phoenix. Right. Like if I turn the water and the AC off, how many of you would be like, I'm still fine. <laughs> Love it. I don't need utilities, right? I mean, like, to some extent, it's a, it's a big health concern, too. And so because of the benevolence, and the, and, and the sum was inordinately large. It was prohibitive, meaning that this young family could not take care of a single mom not able to take care of it. And some people in the congregation uh, donated and some, uh, we were able to pull from the benevolence fund and provide for that need. It's a means of blessing people. That need would not have been met apart from the generosity of people practicing the rhythm of generosity and giving. Same with Rocky Point. We're able to provide for the needs of uh, those who are not only here in Phoenix, but also internationally through things like home building. Many of you gave uh, generously so that our students could go and serve in Jamaica to those who are less fortunate. And this has been part of Desert Springs ethos for the last 40 years since we were planted. I, I've been blessed to hear stories of those uh, who were here at the church's founding and in the early days uh, talking about how the church would rally to support people. In fact, uh, uh, donating in order to even save lives and cover medical expenses. And I want us to consider, too, that when we say things like give our money away, I, I would encourage you not to think about a, giving money away. I mean, we want to give over control of it to the Lord. But instead of thinking of giving our money away, I, I would encourage you to consider uh, the, the rhythm of grace of generosity to be not giving it away, but investing it into God's kingdom and into God's work. Because giving it away sounds like you're flushing it down the toilet, but when we use it to bless and to serve others and invest in organizations that are blessing and serving others, it really is an investment in what God is doing in his ministry here and around the world. And just a quick aside too, I would strongly encourage you to consider how it is that you invest. There can be, for me, this feeling that wells up when I see a need or I see something and it's immediately, it's right in front of me to throw money at it or, or, or to kind of give it over. And I remember being uh, in, uh, in Uganda and one of the things as we were serving in Uganda, they instructed us, they said, please don't give anybody money. And that's very hard to do because, I mean, you've literally, you've got kids who are, who are begging, who are hungry. And what do you want to do? What's, what's your instinct? Take my money. But one of the things they said is, when we do that, you, American, you're leaving. It's a one-off. It actually hurts the work that the church there in Uganda is trying to do. They said, rather, give it to the church and let the ministry team that God has enabled there to serve, because they can not only provide for that meal, but they can provide for all the subsequent help and needs that happen after that. And so th there's this book called When Helping Hurts that encourages us to think through how it is that we're investing in God's kingdom. We want to invest in a way that helps people, not hurts them. Number three, not only does it confront our idols and bless others, it safeguards against greed. Luke 12, 29 and 30. And do not seek what you are to eat and what are you to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Psalm 10, 3. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul 
and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. When we give as a normal rhythm of our life, it safeguards against greed. Here's the thing about greed. I, I heard a minister say once that greed is the, is the only unconfessed sin. What he meant was in his, his ministry, and he had, he had been serving for many years, he said, I've had many people confess sin to me, but the one that I've never heard, I've never heard someone say, Pastor, I need, I, I need some guidance here, I need your prayers here because I have been greedy. You see, greed is one of those things that you don't see. It's a matter of the eye, Jesus says. You don't see when you're being greedy. In fact, I would just encourage you to self-reflect. How do you know when you're being greedy? Right? How do you know when you're stealing? Easy. How do you know when you're being greedy? Difficult. And one of the things that giving as a consistent rhythm of life does is it safeguards against that temptation. Number four, it's a diagnostic for the heart. Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we give, it's a diagnostic for the heart because it causes us to look at our bank account. Now check this out. If you want to know what you care about, follow the money. If you want to know the things that you value in like reality, follow the money. Now, I'm not saying proportionate. I, I understand, you know, housing costs a certain amount and transportation costs a certain amount. But if you want to know what you actually care about, pull out your bank account. Where are you investing? You see, giving is a normal rhythm of life. It serves as a diagnostic for our heart. It, it, it's a means in which we can say, if where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. In order to discern where my heart is, let me look at where my treasure is. You follow me? If you want to know if you're, what you care about, look at your bank statement. Look at where you're investing. It's interesting, there's a, an old parable uh, that pastors like to tell in pastors' circles, which, by the way, pastors' luncheons and things like that, you're not missing much. <laughs> not missing much. Uh, so I just don't want you to feel left out, okay? at pastors' lunches and gatherings. I hope none of my peers watch this. They won't. Um, <laughs> they know me. They won't. One of the things, that, the stories that will be told, especially by pastors, is the story of the Lord's cow. Have you heard it? It's the story of the Lord's cow. You see, there was this farmer, and he had found out, you know, and, and when you're in farming and things like that, like having a cow, that's a big deal, right? Some of you come from that type of background. I mean, a cow, is that's like solid gold, right? And this, this farmer, he had just a small little farm, he found out that the cow that they had had twins. And he was like, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, payday. So he goes in, very magnanimously, he goes into his wife and he says, honey, you'll never believe it. God has been so good to us. He's given us two cows. In fact, he's been, he's been so good to us, I'm gonna dedicate one of the cows to the Lord and I'm gonna, when it, when we're gonna raise it up and when it reaches maturity, we're gonna sell it off and give all the proceeds to the Lord. And the wife is blown away. She's like, that sounds awesome, right? Way to go. And days come and days go, weeks come and weeks go and, and the cows are growing and then one day the farmer walks out into the field to discover that lo and behold, one of the cows has died. And so he comes back in, sullen, to his wife. And he says, honey, I have bad news. The Lord's, the Lord's cow died. 
She says, I don't remember you picking which one was the Lord's cow. And the farmer says, oh, no, I knew, I always knew it was that one. That one was going to be the Lord's cow. Now, the way that the parable goes is this. Isn't it always the Lord's cow that dies first? In our lives, we reflect on God's goodness and grace and generosity towards us. And in those moments where we are reflecting, we say, I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to give substantially to this thing or that thing that I believe that the Lord is calling me to do. I'm going to give. But then when push comes to shove, when the bills come due, when we fall into the temptation of the magazine at the checkout counter, the Lord's cow always dies first. You see, when we give consistently as a rhythm of grace, it's a diagnostic for our heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Finally, it also expresses a beautiful and powerful reliance on God. Luke 12, 28. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little what? Oh, help me out now. Oh, you of little, when we give, even when we give and it hurts, you follow me? I'm not saying unwisely. I'm just saying that when it's sacrificial giving, it is a physical way, a tangible way to express a reliance on God. You with me? Now, I'm not saying don't have savings. I believe that the scriptures teach that we ought to save, we ought to be wise, we ought to invest, okay? I'm all there with you. But when we give generously, when we give sacrificially, it is a physical expression of our reliance on God. Have you ever heard the term, put your money where your mouth is? Okay, listen, guys. Have you heard the term, put your money where your mouth is? Okay, thank you. That just is very helpful to me to know that you've heard that term because when we give as a normal rhythm of life, it is in like it's boots on the ground, it's street level, practicing out the statement, God, you are in control and everything is yours. It's a means of putting our money where our mouth is, of glorifying the Lord through our actions. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world of those, uh, the world and those who dwell therein. Check this out. Here's what the scriptures tell us everything we have is God's. You say, Well, I earned it. Yeah, you did earn it. But with what innate skills, gifts, and talents did you, before time began, put into your own self so that you could earn that money? To put it another way, what sort of a lifestyle would you be leading if you were in the 13th century on a mountain in Tibet? You say, well, I earned it. Well, yeah, you did earn it, and yet the scriptures teach that the time, the place, the resources that we have, the talents, the abilities that we have, that's all God's doing. You follow me? So yeah, we work hard. Scriptures teach us to work hard. We work diligently. Yes, we work diligently. A laborer deserves their wage. However, that laborer has innate, unique Abilities, gifts, talents, the time and place, the network that we're born into, the people that we know, the people that our parents knew, all of that factors in. And when we give as a rhythm of grace, it is a means of glorifying the Lord and expressing our reliance on him. Now, we've been talking about money. 
And the, the silence now is speaking to me loudly. Because we're weird about money. Our, our, so check this out. Like, think about your closest friends. How weird is it to talk with them about the money that you make or have or don't have? Like, do you feel weird when you walk into a friend's house and they have a better house than you? Or they have a not-so-great house? Do you gauge people based on the car they drive? I mean, I do this all the time. I mean, my innate, uh, my, my, my initial response to size someone up is the type of clothes they have, the type of car they drive, the type of house they live in, the type of things they have, the type of stuff that they buy, the type of vacation they have. Like, right, like it's the end of summer and all of us are going back to work and all of us are going back to school and we're all sharing stories. What'd you do this summer? And for some of us, we hear some of those stories and we're like, must be nice That showcases the power of money over us, doesn't it? Our inability to discuss it openly and freely showcases, testifies to the power that money has over us. We said at the beginning that when we give as a rhythm of grace, it confronts our idols. Well, that idol of materialism, that false god has power in this city. And for many of us, it has power in our lives that we're constantly praying against and fighting against. And to be blunt, some of us have just succumbed to and justified greed in Jesus' name. It's powerful, right? I mean, y'all with me? I mean, are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. I've got a kid. I got three kids, seven, five, and one. My wife and I are, we're, we're, we're a young family. And I got a thousand things telling me what I need in order to serve my family. You see how that's insidious? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and need that for my kids. Kids grew up also in the 13th century on mountains in Tibet. Need and want are two different things. And yet it's powerful, isn't it? It's also painful for many of us because we worry, we're anxious. Oh my goodness. I mean, some of us, our, our, our joy is robbed based on the stock market. I mean, one of the radio programs I listen to, they'll consistently give updates on the stock market, and if the stock market is down, they'll play the Peanuts song, right? <laughs> and if it's up, it's like live jazz. And I just can't help but think, how many people are driving home today happy or sad based on an index or a number? It's powerful. It causes this anxiety. And this is where I want to pivot. I don't think that there's any one of us today. Maybe there is, maybe there is. But I, my, my sense is that the majority of us, if not all of us, wrestle with this. Anxiety, especially about money. We, we worry. We, we're frustrated. We, we're concerned deeply. We're wondering where the next paycheck's going to come from. We're wondering what's going to go on with health care because we want to know if our medicine's going to be $20 or $2,000. We're worried about if the assisted care facility is gonna raise their rates. We're worried about the market for our housing. We're worried about the cost of gasoline. We're worried about the food that we put on the table. We're worried about our, our kids when they come and they say, we wanna, we wanna be in this program and you, you're just, just trying to make ends meet. I mean, we're just, we're worried. So if you're there, I, I hope that this is a blessing to you. I wanna, I wanna give us a moment to realign, realign our hearts because the act of giving 
Jesus taught us, that the act of giving, it stems from the heart. The the scriptures teach us that, that giving is to be done out of a heart of gratitude and joy, not compulsion. It's not supposed to be like paying our taxes. I mean, when we give, when we donate, when we tithe, when we give offering, it's not meant to be like taxes. It's meant to be a free expression of God's grace, love, mercy, and generosity. You with me? But in order to get there... We have to realign our hearts. I know that I have to do it consistently. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read the words of the Lord, and we're gonna take a time of of reflection on the scriptures, just for these last few moments here. And then what we're gonna do after that is I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing a song that's corollary to this, uh, that's corollary to the fatherhood of God, that he takes care of his sons and his daughters. Uh, And we're gonna do that together as a congregation. And then after that, we're we're gonna proceed with the act of giving. Um, I really wrestled with, should we do tithes and offerings before or after the sermon? I wanted to maybe realign our hearts before we do the practice uh, that we've been talking about. And so, so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, is just quietly in your seats. If you have a digital device, if you turn it off, if, if also you have a ringer, if you would please silence that just for this moment. If you just, maybe just take a big deep breath. It's okay. Silence is Okay. If you'd calm your heart. I'm gonna read the words of Jesus and I would encourage you to receive them, to contemplate, to pray through them and then what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask a few questions and then uh, we'll continue on. These are the words of the Lord in Luke 12, 22 and on. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give it to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you reflect on these words, What words or phrases struck you today?
Let me dwell on those for a moment. What is the Lord Jesus, the king and creator of the universe, who took on flesh and gave his life as a ransom for many? What is he speaking to you now through his words? How are these words relevant to you right now? Is there something here that God wants you to receive and accept? A truth that will impact you in this moment? Now what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna read it again and when I pause in between, I would encourage you to insert your name for the scriptures speak to us, and in Jesus in verse 22, he said to his disciples, so if you follow after Jesus, you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and so it would be, I believe, appropriate to personalize this. We recognize that it's for all of Jesus' disciples, but just in this moment, I'm gonna read through these words again, and when I pause, if you just insert your name. And he said to his disciples, including you, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to their span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, then why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your, your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is the Lord speaking to you now in this moment? Verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing in light of that truth, a song that reminds us of the fatherhood of God.